welcome to today's episode of Across the Bifrost, the Mighty Thor podcast, where we explore the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor. Today, we are doing part three of our Tales of Asgard series with the professor himself. Chris Eberly is back, and he takes us through a few more stories in our Tales of Asgard anthology. It's a lot of fun. We get into a lot of talk about Loki his childhood, his schemes, and then we set sail to find out what is going on with the Oversword in Asgard. So we've got a lot of fun planned for you today with Chris doing our Tales of Asgard series. And before we jump into that, I wanted to say thank you again for joining us on the show. Every single time I I see that another person has listened to the show, it makes my heart all warm and fuzzy inside, and especially in this Thanksgiving season, I'm, I'm just more thankful for each and every one of you. If you're listening right now, yeah, you, right there, right in your earbuds, just hear me say this to you specifically. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for giving us, uh, if you've given us a rating, a reviewer, a subscription, thank you for that as well. But just thank you for being incredible. Thank you for being awesome. Thank you for staying worthy with us every single week here on this show. We appreciate it so much. We have got a lot of great things planned for the podcast before the end of the year. We've got a lot of great stuff planned after the beginning of next year. But I will say this, we've got a few things coming up in the next few weeks that I am just beyond excited for. And I hope that you come back and join us every week here on the Bifrost so you can get your weekly dose of the God of Thunder with us. We've also got some great project announcements that I'm doing outside of Thor that I'm going to be telling you guys about in the next few weeks. I'm very excited to tell you about those. Just in general, I'm excited where this podcast is going and where my uh, my my wider podcasting dreams are going. You're going to hear a lot about that in the upcoming weeks. But today, we are here to talk tales of Asgard. We are here to talk about Loki. We're here to talk about Thor. We're here to talk about the Warriors 3. We're here to talk about Odin. So much is going to happen in this episode, and Chris is here to walk us through all of it. So I hope that you enjoy this latest installment in our Tales of Asgard series. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. Welcome, everybody, to the third volume of our Tales of Asgard series. I am again joined by Chris Eberly from Comic Geek Speak, a fantastic podcast that I have enjoyed for, for many years. And we are digging through the back issue, the back issue, uh, back, backup stories of Journey into Mystery as they pertain to Thor and his boyhood and his childhood. But want to welcome Chris back to the podcast right now. Uh, Chris, how are you doing? Sir, I am thrilled to be here this is this is just a delight so today we are going to jump into uh something that uh is is put into the uh the stories as the bi- the in-depth biographies series this is um the beginning of we we covered it last time we did tales of asgard the the 
the birth and the adoption of Loki, but we get a lot of Loki stories here. Um, and it's uh, Stan's, uh, Stan Lee's goal to bring us through kind of the life of Loki. Uh, so we start off with a story called The Boyhood of Loki. This story featured in the uh, Journey into Mystery issue 113. This is Thor and Loki as boys. They are, uh, we're, we're not given a specific age this time around, you know, whether they're 18 or they're not yet 20. They, they, look, they look like uh, early teens here, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're just little scamps going, yes. around, going around Asgard, just uh, peeking, peeking in on some, some fights. Uh, they start to compete as well. They, they start to argue about who's, which one of these guys is going to win the fight, and then they do a horse race. And basically, this is a story to set the tone of their sibling rivalry um, that, um, you know, gets full-blown into a um, hero versus villain rivalry down the road. Uh, but this story really enjoyed because you get to see them just as brothers. I, I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, this, this, this issue, as I mentioned in our previous installment, this issue was also featured in Bring on the Bad Guys. Okay, um, good. So they, 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 they coupled the, the two together. Um, and the artwork here, I think, is especially resonant in capturing just Loki's malice and, and envy and his bitter sort of yes. jealousy and, and resentment towards Thor. Uh, and as you mentioned, you know, the, they're watching two Asgardian warriors uh, engage in a jest with quarterstaffs. And uh, again, Kirby, just every warrior, the different armor, the costumes, it's just, if, you, if people are wondering, like, where do they get the visual ideas for the Thor movies, just go to these books and it's all here. Yeah. Um, this, this is the blueprint. But when they catch, when they realize that, that Loki has, uh, interfered in the joust using his magic to, to yes. turn it to, to the advantage of, of his champion, so to speak. And, and that, that, that plot is exposed. Again, the contrast. So Thor, I love how Thor has a shirt with his own name on it in a sense, like the first, <laughs> the first letter. Um, just to add, that probably, probably burned Loki too, but um, <laughs> Thor standing just in such regal grandeur, even though he's, he's a kid uh, and yeah. Loki sort of skulking in the background uh it, it, the the artwork really draws the contrast between the two characters and their attitudes uh, and, and and the warriors comment mark ye well my words no good will come of the unscrupulous loki and the other warrior responds though he may be not yet full grown the seed of evil has already taken root but see how like a king the golden one walks by asgard he is destined for greatness and lotus how loki's walking sort of hunched over yes or shoulders thrown back Think back to the original film. They did a great job in the first Thor movie when they had them doing the race and then Odin yeah. grabs them both by the hand and they, 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 that sense of competition. It's more playful in that scene than it is here. Uh, but in the next page, Thor, even though you always sense that Thor knows what his brother really is, but he still tries to, to see the better side of him. It's, the, it's an ongoing thing. And sometimes it's fresh. Like, you know, come on, dude, wake up. But um, here, like he puts his hand on his shoulder uh, you know, trying to sort of encourage him along. But, but even there, you can see, like in the last panel, the hatred on Loki's face. Yeah, yeah. Thor bests him in the horse race and he's sort of like jovially trying to urge him on to, to compete with him. And you can almost kind of empathize with why Loki feels the way he looks. Because Thor is so perfect and he just, he wins everything and it just burns in Loki's breast. 
great stuff that so that that panel that that panel you you uh read with uh with the two warriors going back yeah. and forth i was going to highlight that because that panel in and of itself typifies why loki becomes what he is like it like he is he is unlike anyone in asgard yep. and 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 he doesn't even really know why you know because he's not re he's not really a son of he's not a full son of odin and um he there's this i i believe there's this justifiable um unsettledness in him of not feeling like he belongs not feeling like th this is really um you know he's never going to beat thor he's never going to be He's never going to be what Odin truly wants out of a son because Odin has already made it very clear. Yeah. Thor is what he wanted. Loki is kind of what he got handed, you know, from 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 the secondhand store. Um, and actually, <laughs> there is this. Um, I, I actually uh, a, a few months back, I was able to interview a uh, an author. Uh, her name is Mackenzie Lee, and she wrote a book just about Loki for for Marvel Press, and she goes down that rabbit hole of basically loki's daddy issues and oh absolutely yeah why, like why he hates thor and truly i don't believe loki hates thor because thor is who he is i think loki hates thor because thor is what odin wants yes uh, wants loki to be you know they, they they do this horse race loki's not a horseman like no. loki's not a warrior he's a he's a he's a sorcerer he's a trickster he's not yeah. going to be this um, you know, the, the two warriors they saw fighting in the courtyard, that would never be Loki. No. Um, but yeah, but there's this, uh, I would, I would say this also is required reading. If uh, it's a very simple story, but the dialogue I think is the most important part here. Um, the dialogue, not only between Thor and Loki, but the dialogue about Thor and Loki. And it's a testament to the groundwork Lee and Kirby laid because, you know, a lot of the stuff you're mentioning, and I agree with all of it, a lot of that comes back as retro continuity, essentially. But the basis of it all is here. It just in, the, in these, the, the, the story we just talked about, and then the, the one we talked about in our last episode where, where we describe how Odin comes upon Loki after he kills Loki's father in battle. Yeah. The whole, the seed of everything is just in these two stories. Um, so again, it's it's that, that, as I said before, that economy of storytelling and just when when the groundwork is so rich, and then su successive creators then can take that and then just do so much more with it. That's that's at the core of the greatness of, of the Lee Kirby stories here. And, and I, I, I I swear I'm not name dropping. This is nuts. I was able to speak with um with Thor artist uh, Ron Friends a while back. Great artist. Yep. And uh, we talked about um and obviously that was that was the '80s. Um, yep. so we're, we're talking about a, a different decade even. But the baked in story of sibling rivalry like they're both fighting over a, a father's approval of yeah. a, a father just saying like hey like we're good we're good i love you i see you like something as simple as that and and ron talked about how when he and tom defalco were you know uh doing their version of thor they're like yeah it's it's simple it's very simple um but uh something as simple as hatred over a sibling rivalry made made loki do unimaginable things yes <laughs> um and uh, and 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 it also um we see this in the movies we see this in comics is thor always he always believes that loki could maybe like yes. be saved 
um you know even at the, at the end of the first thor movie you know now i'm feeling like i have to go watch the first thor movie now well he's trying um, to and trying to still save when he's hanging off the bridge yep. yeah and loki's the one that lets go yeah um thor never truly gives up on loki yep. it's loki that gives up on himself um but uh yeah the mo- more about their brotherhood um in the stories to follow but we um any last notes on the boyhood of loki because i know this one is really important chris just that as i as because again i hadn't read these in a while though and i read them in the prep for this episode uh it's just a testament to the to also the, the skills of stan stanley as a writer at this point in his career that he really captures the essence of loki and really just a few panels with, with, with just, and just well-placed dialogue, um, as you said, not only from Loki, but from, from the characters who are reacting to, reacted to him around him. Um, it's really all here. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the, why he feels the way he does. Uh, and again, the way, the, the way Kirby draws, as I said before, posture, the yeah. way Thor is standing versus the way Loki is carrying himself, even that, you know, is indicative uh, of where these characters are heading. Uh, these these are masterful stories. Uh, yeah, just uh, what well, you you mentioned this earlier, the posture, it because posture communicates so many different things, and especially like like you said, Loki is something literally as simple as where his shoulders are placed communicates yep. so much about him. Loki's shoulders are are positioned very forward and very hunched like, and Thor is very you know chest out you know shoulders back. I mean, if you saw someone walking down the street in those different poses, you could clearly tell like, okay, that guy's up to no good. And that guy's confident as hell. Plus you'll notice in that panel, um, there's like a little wind blowing like the back of Thor's tunic to add to this majesty and grandeur. (laughs) Here's the thing. I was just going to say, this is why, like we've talked about it in the last few installments of this Tales of Asgard series. This is why Jack Kirby is the king. Yeah, it's not, you know, yes, it's the grandeur too, but it's those, also the, the, those details, the details. The details of storytelling. Yep. Yeah. It, the, 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 you know, the devil's in the details. Uh, yeah. Okay. The, the, the genius is in the details. Yeah. Um, so we're going to move on from that first story because we got a few more stories to run through yeah. on this one. But yeah, honestly, great, great story. The boyhood of Loki. The next one we get is a, uh, a, a retelling of the little red riding hood. Story. Yes. I'd forgotten about this one. Yep. But just in Asgard. So um, playing the role of Red Riding Hood here is Iduna. Uh, she's a goddess uh, of Asgard and she is the one that uh, grows and keeps the golden apples. So, you know, the um, the basket, you know, is the basket is there. It's all covered up. She's wearing the red hood and she is taking these apples to Odin so that he can bestow, you know, immortality and invincibility upon other people. And Fenris, the wolf god, who uh, makes his first appearance here, uh, along with Aduna. They both make their first uh, first showings here. She uh, comes upon Fenris, and then um, the oh, the hunter, uh, Hakun, Hakun, the Hakun the hunter, the huntsman, uh, shows up and runs off Fenris um, after Fenris's guise does not work on Aduna. She's too smart for that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's essentially, it's Red Riding Hood, but in Asgard. Which I thought was yeah. really fun, really creative. I, I, this was a delight because, as I said, in revisiting stories, I'd forgotten about this one completely, and it was just enchanting uh, to use a very Asgardian word there uh, to see Lee adapt 
Red Riding Hood. And again, it also speaks to the to the power and sort of the universal mythology of Marvel stories that because they speak to, I think, to something so basic within the reader um, that touch upon such classic motifs and themes. And I think Leah always recognized that I was trying to really make people aware of that and, and really sort of increase the scope of what he was doing. So, you know, he wants to show that, you know, because remember, he's coming from a time period where early in his career, comics weren't taken seriously by, by, by many people. He'd often talk about how, like, in the 50s, he'd have to sort of be admit he would be ashamed to kind of admit what he did at like cocktail parties like what his professional job was and so forth so i think it was a very important to remind people that hey comics are also a very important part of our of our sort of our our stories our literature our myths and and they they, they work part and parcel with it with that and, and you see that here it's it's really well done and and this is this is a story um we talked about it in previous editions of this series this is a story i would read to my son and my daughter Absolutely. And they would understand it perfectly. Um, they would understand that the, the big wolf is scary. They would understand that, you know, the, 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 my daughter would call her the princess in, in this story, you know, she, she can't, she can't be hurt. So the huntsman shows up and she, he beats up the wolf and she, like, she would understand that it's so simple that a five-year-old can understand this, but it's, it's, and just like we got done talking about with the boyhood of Loki, it's so detailed that adults can appreciate it for decades. Yes. And that's, um, you know, whether you're eight or 80, you can enjoy this story. And I think that is, again, just one of the true little, uh, you know, little genius things that they do. And I love and the it, last, oh, go ahead. No, no, I, I was going to just to piggyback what you're saying, as we mentioned in one of the earlier installments of the series. Tales of Asgard, if you want to get a, a, a really young person in, into the comic book medium, start here. Like th these are really well, I think these are ideally suited for, for very young readers. Yes, tr truly. The, um, the last little block of text here speaks to the, the Red Riding Hood kind of connection, but it's done so well. Um, and I, I just read it for you that are listening and, and who aren't able to, to read it along with us. It says, lo, our tale is done, a tale which has been handed down through the ages from far off Asgard to the fertile green hills of earth, a tale which has been changed countless times in the retelling until the mortals of today lull their children to sleep with it, calling it the fairy tale of Little Red Riding Hood. Thus, though the names have changed, names and the details have changed, the legends themselves can never die. And I, I think that was really at the heart of what Lee and the artists were, were doing and that they, they were sort of putting their own spin, especially in, in a book like Four, on sort of these, these timeless tales. Uh, and again, Lee always wanted people to take comic books seriously as, as an art form, as a means, as, as a serious you know, form of media. And uh, you know, that, I think it's part of that effort. This, and, and, that, and, and these, these tales of Asgard stories, you know, we've talked about it in previous, um, previous editions, you know, they have that almost fable quality to them. They have yep. this story, you know, story, story time, storybook uh, uh, approach to them uh, because the, I will say the fantasy setting does help. Um, oh, of course. You know, um, if if Spider-Man were doing this, it would look a lot different. If you know the Fantastic Four were doing it, it would look a lot different. Like, but Thor lends himself to that fantasy Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of the Rings kind of um, storytelling. That that high fantasy, uh, very epic in scope, um, and I think that just lends itself to um, to being really enjoyable um, as, as a 
as a kind of a, a, a like a, a dream sequence almost it's just like ah oh, man this is kind of kind of nice i learned a little bit but uh i got to see kind of just a cool story unfold here here sir the next story uh begins uh, a little bit of a um a scheme of loki a long running uh, a con that he's he's trying to uh, enact and uh, this one is called a viper in our midst and this was also in bring on the bad guys they put three okay. tales of asgard editions together as part of the loki section in that book so i okay. read this one as a kid too now that that splash page that pose thor is taking that is a classic kirby thor pose the arm outstretched pointing calling his men to battle uh there's an early cover where he is doing this exact pose yeah um man it's it's uh i think in your guys' episode about thor and the silver age you you it almost looked like promotional art like it really it didn't it didn't have anything to do with what was inside it was just thor in this epic like you know yep. almost like a like the usain bolt kind of uh pose yeah. uh, but he's striking that similar pose in uh on the cover of this um this tales of asgard and what's interesting about this story is as you and you mentioned this earlier it shows loki as the long as the strategist and the schemer laying the groundwork for, for years to come of, cre of creating a network of allies yes. among enemies of asgard that he can then call upon uh, when he makes his, 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 you know, his bid for the throne. Uh, so here, uh, you know, Thor's task force defeats this giant, uh, but Loki allows the giant to escape using his, his sorcery as, as a ruse. And now he's, he's gathered a, a potential ally for the future. Uh, the, beautiful artwork. Oh my, I'm just going to, I'm just, okay, I'm going to limit myself to three panels for this story, I swear. The Go first, ahead. first one on the on the second page loki uh uh gan the the giant has thrown this giant boulder at thor and thor just holds the hammer in front of him with both hands and just yells for asgard for asgard the boulder just shatters around him yep. and, this, and it, classic kirby technique the stones are coming right at the reader it, it's so oh. dynamic yeah. I, I uh I, I put this up on the show's social media and uh I just said like how's everybody doing today I just wanted an excuse to post this <laughs> like uh, that well that one's awesome I also like the uh, on the next page the panel of Loki kind of doing a sky writing with his dagger it's this um really uh uh orangish red background and then you see uh loki's form there and he's he's done kind of a a swoosh of his dagger and it's this bright yellow magical uh stream of energy um fantastic i mean it's it's spectacular um then the last little panel that just jumped out to me was when loki um brings back gan from um wherever he's kind of stashed him um Wait, he turned him into an eagle he, oh right yeah. die turn him into an eagle um he turns him back into his normal form and you see him almost rising out of this cloud like a genie um you know and, and loki's kind of got a power pose going um and uh yeah there's just all the panels are awesome but those are just the ones that jumped out at me uh a lot of bright colors and light um uh I think the ink is really good on this uh, issue as well. The Vince uh, Coletta. It's Coletta, yep. Man, so good. So good. Anything else of note about this? Uh... I just, I always find it interesting on the, uh, let's see. 
the third page, the catapult with the 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 bomb containing the the sleep fumes, as they're called. Yes, I always like how Kirby gave the Asgardians this technology that isn't you know Norse because you know they're they're in space, so they have elements of technology like they have the swords and the shields and the spears and the and the archery, but they also have you know these spacefaring ships and, and yeah. these catapults. And again, when when you look at the Thor films, they really took that to heart. And you know they gave Asgard that that Kirby technological aspect to it that, that's interwoven with the more traditional Norse elements. It's just visually visually a feast. Yeah, yeah. The they're de- they're definitely not. It's almost kind of like um, I know in in in, um, in comics. Well, it's kind of like what they do with Black Panther and Wakanda. Yep. There's there's very there's um elements of of African culture in exactly. there. Exactly. Also, Wakanda is this, you know. <laughs> technological monolith like the, where uh you know you know the, obviously for them it's the vibranium but it kind of the two kind of are similar to me um because they're very powerful cultures that are also based in history and mythology um so kind speaking, of a, spe- speaking of uh an eye-catching visual how about yeah. the the next story the challenge look at the way the king is rendered the king hamir i mean you talk about kirby at the peak of his powers first of all that helmet that <laughs> you can even call it a helmet it's like he's wearing yeah. a, wearing a monument on his head <laughs> that is that but is quite the I mean, and that's that's just one page man like look at that <laughs> that, 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 that that's a museum piece right there Come on. yeah he's, he's he's wearing an artifact on his head and i love yeah. i love on the on the on the cover of this next story <laughs> you see you see thor kind of just talking up talking up this uh uh king himir's uh sister yeah. uh and he's almost got his like hey uh is the gym this way kind yep, of yep. going <laughs> yep yep uh yeah so he's uh he's showing off and uh the king himir will have none of it and loki's gonna take advantage of it loki is gonna uh swoop in and try to get himir to take out thor with these set of challenges that thor has to pass um in order to uh is it is it in order to uh to basically just not be killed or i i forgot why these challenges are thrown at thor uh oh so he doesn't end up in slavery yeah that's right yep yep yep. yes yes because he's offended him by uh by uh approaching his sister Yeah, because they have one panel where they show in the foreground other men who failed the challenge now they're enslaved yes yes um so the first the first challenge is that thor must he must uh bring back one fish from the dreaded sea of eternal darkness sounds like a delightful place um he must bring back a fish and uh thor's the god of thunder he has mjolnir uh, his 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 enchanted fishing device um this is this is, <laughs> this is not a big deal to him the fish literally lasts two panels and that chan that challenge is done and then they come back and they're like uh yeah the deed the deed is done so um what else you got for me and, and the, the fish was monstrous too but yeah yeah it's like a stan molnir like a leviathan yeah um and then the challenge gets really weird like the fish almost feels appropriate it's like bring back this giant monster to me and then Hemer's like okay i'll give you two minutes to break my cup 
like th these things do not feel like they're on the same level. <laughs> uh, and so the, the task is given that uh, within two minutes, Thor must break this cup and um, he can't break it with the hammer. He can't, you know, throw it and break it. And then, uh, you know, kind of a, a deus ex machina thing. He kind of figures out, he's like, oh, I'm going to throw it at Himmer's helmet. And the goblet breaks apart and uh, Loki's schemes are thwarted again. And uh, Himmer does not like that Loki, uh, that Loki's plan didn't work. So he punches Loki in the face. Yes. <laughs> Be gone like, oh, from no, no, no. my court. <laughs> if I did not fear so fear the might of Thor, I would slay you where you stand. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So uh, Loki's plan backfires um, <laughs> in more ways than one. Uh, <laughs> Thor's but he ends the story by saying, I shall never stop scheming. Oh my gosh. The many it, Loki, keep at it. The many are the sinister schemes of Loki, and many are the spectacular tales which await you on the pages in months to come. So just man, just great, uh, great spinning, great salesmanship. I gotta uh, plunk down your 12 cents. Come on. Oh, pff, 12 cents, gladly. Uh, the next story. Uh is, now things really get going. Okay, so so uh yeah. Chris alluded to that just there with that comment. We're getting into a continuous arc now. The next four stories that we're going to cover in this volume of Tales of Asgard are connected, and it tells the story of Loki and um, Thor being sent on a journey by Odin to figure out why the Odin sword, which is a, an, an artifact we'll talk about in a minute here, why the Odin sword is cracked. And this is kind of the first rumblings we get of Ragnarok being a theme in Thor comics. Now, nowadays, Ragnarok happens like every few years. <laughs> but, like, now, but now, here in these Tales of Asgard stories, this is where we see Ragnarok being, the foundation of Ragnarok being laid. It's not in the main stories. It's in these important yep. backup stories where Stan Lee and Jack Kirby are, are fleshing out the mythos of the end of Asgard. Uh, so this story is called The Sword in the Scabbard. It's Sword in the Stone. Um, just, so we're, we're clear 100% on that. Uh, this is the Asgardian version of The Sword in the Stone. And we start off with this cool cover where all these different, uh, uh, these different warriors are fighting each other. All these Asgardian warriors are fighting each other. And like Chris has mentioned so many times before, they all have their own armor. They all have their own helmets. And, and it's, it's, it's a recurring theme when you study, uh, you know, it's one of the classic tropes that, you know, if an army is at peace for too long, it's, it's sort of, it's the spear tip is blunted and they've become, you know, bored and impatient and lax and they start to fight amongst themselves. You see that here. And Odin is not having it. Odin is, uh, he, he struts in. There's a great panel. Let the fighting cease! <laughs> I so command. God, he's a windbag. Holy mackerel. <laughs> he is. He, uh, I have a feeling maybe uh, maybe Odin was some uh, some uh, some therapy for Stan. He's like, <laughs> I just want to yell things at people. Like, what are we writing in Journey to Mystery this month? <laughs> Odin's going to go on a tirade. <laughs> um, so Odin marches past all of his warriors. And he's like, where are my sons? Where are Thor and Loki? They're fighting too. And they're, they're in the midst of a fight as well. Um, we see nimble, nimble Loki evading Thor and Thor is, you know, brutishly like knocking over tables and, um, and uh, Odin shows up and he says, enough, desist your battle. Odin has spoken. And Thor's like, oh, okay, dad. Okay. And whenever <laughs> someone speaks about themselves in the third person, that's usually a big, that's, that's an eyebrow raising experience. It's like, 
yeah uh, uh odin uh shocker to mostly no one odin has a little bit of an ego <laughs> yeah uh and loki even thinks odin with him here i'll never i'll never be able to fight fair i won't have a chance against mighty thor always on the in in his brain loki is like how can i not fight fair because if i fight fair thor's gonna mop he's gonna mop the floor right. um so another reason why loki uses tricks is because he He's smart enough to know that he can't beat Thor at his own game. So he's just going to no. change the game, um, which is a, a good little uh, underpinning thought in these early stories of uh, why does Loki do the tactics he does? Because he knows that other tactics won't work. Um, he's smart enough to know that. So uh, we see Odin bring Thor and Loki into the room where the Odin sword is kept. Or he, as they call here the oversword. Yes, the oversword. And they, and they stand in one of his handy-dandy caption boxes and mention that it's also referred to as the Odin Sword. According to legend, if ever it leaves its sheath, the end of the universe will be at hand. Which, uh, which we uh, know more, uh, more uh, specifically named Ragnarok, which is yep. uh, uh, Asgard, Asgard's version of the, uh, the end of days. So uh, Odin, uh, Odin shows them that the sword is cracking and... Um, that they need to find out what evil force is behind the cracking of the Odin sword. So uh, they uh, devise a plan where Loki and uh, Loki and Thor are going to go out into space and they're going to find out why. But let's, let's emphasize something though. Yes. Odin makes them co-captains of the expedition. What yeah. could go wrong? Come on. <laughs> yes <laughs> two brothers that hate each other they actually just got done fighting yeah. and you're gonna make them partners <laughs> it, 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 it's a test of character but we should mention that in the main thor stories and journey and mystery and then in, later in, the, in the, the thor eponymous title time and time again odin will give loki opportunities to make tremendous mischief at one point even giving him part of his odin power and leaving him in charge of asgard again well, we just, we just <laughs> actually, we covered that a while back, issue 104, where uh, Odin leaves and he's like, I gotta, I've gotta go to Midgard and I've gotta settle a dispute, you know, between, yeah. uh, you know, the, 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 uh, some monster and another monster. And he's like, Hey, Loki, would you, uh, would you like to be in charge for a while while I'm gone? It's like, he literally just like was chained to a rock. Like, yep. I know you guys, obviously, most people listening to this might not have heard the Silver Age Thor uh, comic um, episode of Comic Geek Speak. Guys, go listen to it. If you've enjoyed this thus far, you will enjoy that. Um, you you, you, the plug, yell, sir. you yell at one point in that you're like, just kill him. Yep. <laughs> just kill him. Why, why are we messing around with this? But then there wouldn't be any fun. Yeah, he's been he's been given too many chances, but, you know, one more won't hurt. And uh, the next story, uh, the next yes. story, I'm sorry. No, the next story, if, I'm, if I may, because uh, now that Thor and Loki are getting ready for this mission, they have to recruit the, the warriors for it. And I, again, it's vintage Kirby. Look at that opening page, the map maker, um, Morduk. And just look at, look at the, the device he's using and the, the artwork. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's the imagination of the man just knew no bounds. Beautiful. The, even in the um, in the the, uh, the cast box here at the bottom of the cover, it says Stan Lee, the legend teller, and Jack Kirby, the legend maker. Yep. Well, like, Lee, Lee Lee gets credit for being one of the really one of the first to emphasize the creators because in earlier decades, 
you often didn't even know who was writing and drawing these comics in most yeah. cases. So the credit boxes were an important innovation. And also, also I've noticed this throughout reading Journey into Mystery and just going going through Thor's history issue by issue. Stanley has a lot of fun with normally boring parts of a comic book. Like who 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 like yeah, awesome. It's great to know who wrote it, but like, can you really have fun with that? Well, according to Stan Lee, you can't. Yep. Um, and then you know, even the letters at the back of the, you know, it's it's all just it's very um, yeah, well, that was all part of making the Raiders feel like they were part of something special. Yeah, and and even even now, like as I'm reading this as a 30-year-old a, a adult man reading a you know 60-year-old comic, it's like, yeah, I feel like I'm a part of this. Um, and uh, and so we jump into the story, The Crimson Hand. This is a story uh, that's um, just kind of told to get us set up for getting the crew together for this voyage that Loki and Thor are going to co-captain. Co Again, what could go wrong? Um, Morduk gives Thor a artifact called The Crimson Hand, which when it touches another person's hand, it forces them to tell the truth. Um, so this is, you know, uh, uh, the Norse version of the Golden Lasso. Yes, yes. So we get a little bit of a of, of a Wonder Woman theme here, um, and Loki brings in a uh, he brings in a um, a person to join the crew. Uh, actually, I believe he's going to oversee the crew. Um, so kind of a, an under captain on this uh, journey. And there's Loki looking all smug and stuff. And and as Thor reaches out to grab the uh, the uh, I think his name's Brog Broggy Braggy. He reached out to grab his hand. It forces this uh, this overseer of the crew to tell the truth. <laughs> and um, he's an assassin hired. We, we the readers know by Loki to kill Thor to stab him in the back. Yes, literally. And, uh, <laughs> literally yes. Uh, once we have set sail, I shall smite thee and behind and behind from behind and slay thee. What what have I said? The truth thou base base assassin so um, thor discovers that uh he uh he was sent to to kill him and loki uh his scheme is thwarted yet again and loki kind of stomps away and he pouts um while uh, the crew is uh, assembling on the ship so kind I of love, i love the panel after the, the assassin's dispatch and loki playing his part says we should probably never learn who bribed the assassin braggy and then thor gets says perhaps not but let us clasp hands, my brother Loki, and then begin our quest. And I wonder, Thor in his heart probably knew, right? Yes. But it, it's a great panel because it leaves you wondering whether or not Thor really is in the know and what's really going on here. He probably is. Um, but Odin making them work together, which again, you know, is probably a recipe for disaster, but maybe he's thinking, all right, maybe this will forge some kind of real kinship between them. Uh, we have to wait and see. <laughs> Loki even responds with, oh, there is time enough for hand clasping later. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Now there, there's too much work to be done. You know, we must not waste a minute. It's like, really, Loki? Yep. You're worried about how much work there needs there is? And, but, then, but then Thor thinks, you know, I, I forgot about this. He, he, the thought, God, I miss thoughtful ones in comics today. Thor ponders, he's too widely to be thus trapped, but must ever be on guard against my scheming half-brother. Yeah, so, so he's, not, he's not, on to it. Yeah, so not a great way to begin a co-captaincy. <laughs> we haven't even left Doc yet. Yeah, nope. Come on, guys. Speaking of Docs, the next the next installment. Important, very important. Yeah, but look at that splash page. Oh my gosh, it's fantastic. 
it it, it it's almost like the asgardian version of the enterprise yeah well put yeah it, so it, Kirby, it's kirby's take on a viking longship but with cosmic proportions yeah it's like um yeah it, it honestly looks like um it looks like if um if uh, a longship was used by the united federation of planets <laughs> um and uh just uh waiting for my boy picard to show up if i can see him in the the background there nope nope uh so we see uh we see thor and loki they're one of the only few characters in color on the cover because we we can't we can't miss them they are the um the main driving force of this uh story and this this is a really transitional moment in the uh in the story of um, them going to find out why the oversword has been cracked literally the only thing that's happening in this issue is warriors are gathering at the ship that's all that's happening but we meet three of the most important supporting characters in all of the nine realms we meet the warriors three magnificent fandral the dashing hogan the grim and volstag so many like volstag Volstag the voluminous is the one i always go with uh he's the uh i've heard you say many times the lion of asgard (laughs) he uh he is uh, so pivotal in this. He gets to fight. I love when Volstagg fights because he doesn't fight like any other character. Um, well, he uses his, his great girth to his advantage. <laughs> yes. There's three. At, so, at one point, there's three guys trying to fight Volstagg, and uh, he, uh, he will have none of it. The only one that he respects is Thor. Uh, we get little gr- glimpses of Fandral uh, and Hogan. Hogan is spoken of in this issue, uh, in this story, very... Um, Hush dread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, oh, hey, um, like, we can mess with... We can kind of, like, mess with everybody else, but, like, we're not going to... We're not going to mess with Hogan. He's, like, he he did time, man. <laughs> well, what's interesting is that, first, a couple of things. First of all, yes. you know, there's obviously a Three Musketeers inspiration here, especially as the Warriors Three are developed. What's also great is that Lee and Kirby have given each character a very distinct look. And even this first appearance of, of a person like Hogan, Hogan almost looks like he's inspired by like Mongol warriors. Like he has almost like an Asiatic uh, quality to him, especially his headpiece, yeah. uh, his mustache. Fandor the Dashing is like Errol Flynn. He's basically yeah. like a swashbuckling 1930s, like movie pulp character. He's even like, like grooming his mustache when he first appears. Um, and then Volstagg is the wonderful sort of comic relief, like a, a Falstaff type character who, who the audience can really relate to. Because again, we're dealing with such epic cosmic grandeur here. Leo always remembers, we got we to ground some one character so the audience doesn't feel totally lost in everything that's happening because this is so it's almost beyond you know mortal ken, mortal understanding. And Volstagg yeah. serves that purpose very well. And he's truly funny. Like, you know, for mentions, you know, uh, ah, blundering Volstagg, he thinks you mostly wish a brief vacation for your wife and 15 offspring. And <laughs> what's also great about Volstagg is because throughout his appearances, he's always telling tales about his great exploits. Yes. You're never sure what's true, what isn't, what's embellished, what's totally fabricated. But when the chips are down, he always does. He always is able to deliver, though, even if, even if it means like him falling on a bunch of enemies. Uh, it's a great character. The, with the inclusion of the Warriors 3, now we've met we've met most of Thor's key supporting cast, you know, uh, his friends, because initially in, in Journey into Mystery, uh, we're just, you know, the first few issues, 
we're just getting to know Thor himself. He really doesn't have a supporting cast. No. But now we have Balder, we have Sif, and Sif is not what we know her today as yet. But then we get the not yet, yep. three. We now like realize that Thor is Thor has relationships. Thor has friendships, and he's becoming, um, you know, dare I say, more more hu- human like. Um, well, that's why Tales of Asgard was so important because it's fleshing out the world of Asgard to and and Thor's place in that, which which made the, the stories that much more rich. Yeah. So 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 we um the crew has assembled. We've met the Warriors three, and the last two panels of this story are super important um, because. Uh, Odin, Odin uh, joins uh, up with uh, his most trusted advisors, and he says, "The forces of evil grow bolder, or our our unknown, unseen enemy taunts us under our very noses." When I draw back this curtain, he's standing in front of a large, uh, purplish black. I curtain. love how it's behind a curtain. <laughs> yes, it's like they had to install that. You know, yes. it's just like I want a big reveal, guys. Let's make it happen. Um, he says, "See what I found etched deep in the royal hall." And on the wall before Odin, it says Ragnarok is coming. And a very simple thing. It's a very simple thing, but it builds tension. It builds anticipation. And it's yep. also like, what is, at this point, what is Ragnarok? And what's great is, and this is a, a, a scripting technique Lee will use very effectively in Thor. He will make a dramatic statement and then repeat it to add to the sense of drama. So Ragnarok the day of the last great battle, the day in which it has been written, the gods themselves will perish. Ragnarok, the only moment that Odin himself awaits with fear and dread. Is Ragnarok truly upon us? Three times. By the bristling beard of Odin, we shall learn more next issue. So be it! I mean, that that repetition builds in your brain. Okay, Ragnarok is important. Like, that's even a reading technique that I learned in college. If a word shows up multiple times, that's on purpose. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Stan Lee uh, definitely uh, using that literary technique to its fullest extent there at the last panel of that story. We come to the last story of this volume, of volume three. So we're about to set sail. We're going to leave the dock, finally, and uh, we're going to finally go on our mission. And uh, this is a um, another kind of... Um, Another kind of a whodunit story, uh, and it features, uh, you know, it features Hogan saving the day, which yep. is kind of a cool, uh, cool way to highlight him as a character. Not really a character that got highlighted in the movies a lot. Um, Don't get me started on how they dealt with the Warriors Three. <laughs> I, uh, well, I, 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 I thought they were wonderfully utilized initially, but the way they were just dispatched so casually in the last Thor movie just irked me. I mean, so. at least at least Hogan gets a fight in. Yeah. Like, li- literally, uh, Hela comes through. We haven't. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what? What the hell? Another discussion for another time. I, you know, uh, Volstagg and Fandral deserved better, and Hogan yes. at least got to, to protect and got to fight yeah. for himself. So uh, this story is uh, basically the ship is setting sail, and Hogan is on to uh, an attempt on Thor's life. And he ends up thwarting the attempt to kill Thor um, uh, amidst uh, Volstagg. Uh, <laughs> Volstagg has a great, 
phenomenal panel in here. He's hiding from his wife. He's hiding from his wife. He's yeah. bo- he's boasting, uh, you know, uh, he's boasting to the maidens of Asgard. Uh, he says, you know, be of good cheer, fairest flowers in all of Asgard. We shall return. We shall bring thee gifts and rare treasures from the furthest reaches of the universe. Yea, Volstag shall be the greatest hero of all, and I shall embrace each of thee in thy turn, for my heart is filled with love. <laughs> Yep. And, and yeah. then he, it's, oh, it's so good. Well, he staggers back because he realizes his wife is among the crowd hearing him make all these boasts. And then he says, uh, uh, a damsel, a, a damsel good and true is she, but the, she understands not a warrior's yearning for adventure. And then in the background, you see this, um, let's say scowling. Yeah. <laughs> scowling. Scowling, stout maiden with her arms akimbo. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Volstag fears only one thing. <laughs> How about the image, by the way, of the sailing ship now right in the currents of space? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and then, uh, even on the after after Hogan has thwarted uh, thwarted the attempt on uh, Thor's life by Magrat the schemer and Crota the duelist. I'm sorry, those t- if they're on my ship, they don't pass a background check. Like <laughs> <laughs> Magrat, seriously. Um, and we get to see on the last page um, uh, the ship flying over uh, kind of a an, an astral, not an astral, a a, a a space mountain range. Oh, this okay. I thought that was water. No, it's. it's I'm sorry, you're right. It is water. I apologize. Okay. Water, yep. These large crashing waves, and it's, yep. they're almost parting. Um, to make way for the ship uh, and then uh, last panel uh, Odin's getting a foot bath um, <laughs> uh, uh, Odin's Odin's getting his mani-pedi while uh, while Thor and Loki are away um, but yeah there's just kind of a cool little uh, getting getting uh, getting off to the adventure story um, to close out this volume um, Chris anything to note of this issue uh, or this issue story just that the sense of scale here of epic adventure like when, when Thor shouts unfurl the sails right and you know the, the crew is it's like it goes right to the heart of it like every great like pirate movie from like the 1930s and 40s like all of Kirby's influences are here and uh, you know the humor of Volstax the, that light element to, to this to the story and, and the, the sheer grandeur of Odin Again, the the Kirby perspective, the Kirby perspective is sword thrusting forward to the reading audience, you know, as he sort yes. of like blesses the the, the journey. Uh, it, this is everything from a high like Viking adventure to to, you know, Volstag is like the Shakespearean comic side of things, and you know the treachery of the assassins lurking on the ship. Interesting that Hogan, of course, thwarts them, but that does not actually kill them, so he leads them to plot anew. Uh, in, yes. in subsequent stories, which of course will address moving forward. I, and yeah, I, I totally missed that, that Odin was, had his feet in, in Epsom salts. Um, but, you know, he just made a very important decision that, that will determine the fate of his kingdom. So he's got to take a break. Yeah, he's like, he's like I have had a long day. <laughs> I feel like I deserve this. <laughs> but when we talk about uh, the actual journey, it's... This this is what to me this is one of the great Silver Age Thor stories. This whole quest for for what for the, the secret of the Oversword, uh, and in fact the Viking longships you saw them in the Thor films too. 
Yeah, in uh, uh, I think in the Dark second World. four films. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so. honestly, it was one of my favorite parts of Dark World is getting to see more of the um, Asgardian technology. Yep. How exactly. they how they actually get around, and even uh, even Fandral has a great line there. Yes. Where uh, where he just you know he kind of drops the mic and then he swings off of the longship, very swashbuckling like essence of Fandral. Yep. Yeah. So I, what I really liked about this last story as we wrap up this volume is I feel like you mentioned it. I feel like we're on a pirate adventure. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, I think the movies are fantastic. I like the movies a lot and I really wish they had more of this adventure quality to them. Uh, this like, okay, we're going, we're going to solve a problem. We don't know what's out there, uh, but we're going to, you know, we're going to charge into the unknown. We're going to, you know, we're going to, uh, we're going to figure out what's going on here. I really like the, um, I like the feel I get from these stories. They're very high, again, high fantasy, high adventure. Um, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm reading like a, like a, like a storybook. I, yeah. It's uh, it's great. We'll, we'll cover more of this specific adventure when we cover volume four next month. But I want to thank Chris Eberly again for joining us tonight. Chris, thank any, you, sir. Any parting shots, for uh for our across the bifrost listeners as we wrap up this volume by the bristling beard of odin stay thy sword hand anticipation of the forthcoming quest i could not have said it better myself <laughs> That is going to do it for the show today, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the third installment in our Tales of Asgard series with the Professor Chris Eberly. He will be back for more installments in this series. We're uh, excited to have him back, and it's always just fun to talk to Chris about the mighty Thor. So if you enjoyed this conversation with Chris, go be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review And tell us maybe what was your favorite aspect of this Tales of Asgard installment. We would love to know. We would also love to continue the conversation with you on our social media at Mighty Thor Podcast on Instagram. And then you can go over to Facebook and join our group. It is a public group. We just ask that you be kind to one another and that you be considerate of other people's opinions when it comes to the Mighty Thor, comics, movies, all that kind of stuff. So we would love to continue the conversation with you over there. That would be just a lot of fun. And there's a lot of great fans out there that would love to talk Thor with you. We have some episodes coming up in the month of December where we're going to be releasing Thursday episodes again. Those of you who are fans of older comics will be happy to know that we are bringing back our throwback series, looking back through the Silver Age beginnings of The Mighty Thor. We have some great guests lined up for those shows, and you're not going to want to miss those. So there's lots of Across the Bifrost coming up in the month of December, and then we've got a few surprises towards the end that I know you're going to enjoy. So, until we see you next time aboard the Rainbow Bridge, I encourage you, dear listener, to stay worthy.